0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. You guys good? Y'all want to hear a little bit of word? We're going to read the entire book of Romans together today. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, it's, some, sometimes, you know, I, I have these messages on my heart, and it's a concept that you kind of want to unpack. But then today, you know, I, well, there is a lot that we're going to read together, but I, don't, I want to talk about this idea of spiritual mindfulness, um, just being having your mind set on the spirit, you know. Today, this, it, it kind of all circles around this idea from Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You know, it's, I think we complicate uh, Christianity. You know, we complicate what we think God desires from us and how we are supposed to effectuate the spirit of God within inside of us, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Christianity and religion is, it's lived from the outside in, meaning you do this, you get closer to God. You do that, you're further away from God. You do this, you become more holy, more sanctified. God likes you better. You become more favored, more blessed. That is all a bunch of junk. That's baloney, say baloney. Baloney, that, you know, fake meat, it's not real. It's just not true. Christianity is that God lives in you. He's done a work inside of you to live inside of you, to change you from that spirit that's already perfect to affect every other aspect of your being, to live out into the world. There's a light in you shining outward. You're not trying to go into the presence. You're not trying to go to God. You're not trying to become a better person through your works and your efforts. In fact... That is a slap in the face of Jesus if you think your works affect your righteousness. It is a gift from God that he gave you that is secured in his blood. Amen? And you are safe in him because of what he did. But we do have these Christian lives to live, and it's from the place of honoring and guarding what he's done inwardly to live from that place outwardly. And I say that all the time, and I hope I say it to the point where you know that, especially when you're facing life and you have, you make a mistake, or your kids are going through something difficult, or a sick parent, you know, a parent gets sick, or, or like we're seeing in the, in the world, war and division in our nation, on all kinds of borders and lines, you know, it's like, man, can we please quit being pawns of the enemy and recognize that the number one tactic of the enemy is division. And we should first and foremost unite our hearts as believers in the body of Christ as our definition of who and what we are and then live from there. Amen? I got, a, I got an amen from that light over there. It just came on. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation, highlighting Ethan over there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, we're always going to reset to that point and live from that. So that, that's, that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at just this idea of setting our mind on the spirit or to be spiritually minded, or not just think about spiritual things, but how we think is first influenced by how God thinks. You know, we've done a few messages lately where we talked about the idea of take the written word, hold it in your mind and your heart as it relates to whatever you're going through. You know, we did this whole exercise, I'll review super quick. There's a website out there that's really good. It's uh, openbible.info. And you can go to that, click on topical, and put in, you know, fear, depression, anxiety, finances, relationship, war, you know, whatever. Whatever the subject might be, specifically something that you might be dealing with in your life. And it will bring up just a whole list of passages. And there's a lot of good tools out there. But basically, the first step is, I'm dealing with this, this area of my life. Let me just see what the Word of God says about it. You know, you're not really necessarily trying to find something to pray. You just want to kind of get God's mind on the topic. Are you with me? And you just oh, I didn't realize that he says that about finances. I didn't realize that he says that about raising kids. I hear proverbs all the time. Like, I can be pretty sarcastic, and I tend toward sarcasm when I'm frustrated. So like with my kids, uh, you know, the proverb, don't provoke your children don't provoke your children, it's con- it, you know, it comes up and I'm like, that has probably saved me a bunch of times. I saw my daughter over here, she must be in kids' church, but she slid out there. And I know some of you parents are like, ooh, I wish I'd have known that one, don't provoke. You, are you with- don't raise your hand, but how many of you, you, you get frustrated and you pop off at them and then it's just like they turn into a little demon child, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's because they're, they're trying to figure out who they are and what they are and their identity And if if you're not that safe place and you're poking their butt, pushing their buttons too, then it's like, you know, so there's just so much practical wisdom in there to just have in our minds of how God says to do life. And then there's the other aspect of the Spirit of God in our lives active. And as charismatics that believe in the working of the gifts today, We mysticize that and turn it into, I'm trying to get my antennas up and discern a message from God, and I think he's saying this, and maybe I don't understand, so maybe that bird flying that direction is the answer. Let me just open my Bible, look at there. You know what I mean? So we get kind of mystical with trying to hear from the Spirit of God. But if you have his mind on a topic, then your heart will be at a place to be led by him. You know, you will follow God more accurately by accident most of the time than you do from trying to hear him and then take a step. Because the accidental, quote-unquote, accidental following and obedience is because your inner man is prepared to just be led by him. You know, the secret to Christianity is you are saved by grace through faith. He lives inside of you. You are accepted. He's not looking for a reason to separate himself from you. He loves you. He may not appreciate all your behaviors, but you're already accepted. And from that place, as you fill your mind and your heart with his word, that will be the ground from which he leads you. Amen. I know Carla's sitting here, and this past Wednesday we had Equip, and she and I had a conversation about uh, just her process of walking out a healing from cancer. She had cancer, uh, and she walked through certain treatments and did things, and, and then it was there. And then we prayed a few weeks ago, and you went back, and it was not there. We call that a miracle. Amen. Praise God. And, and I, I pre, if you didn't watch that, it's in our Facebook group. Um, and I, is that okay with you if I put that on the YouTube, uh, the, just the church YouTube channel, so that's out there? Sure. I just feel like that'll be a helpful conversation for people to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, there was a point that she said, you know, she quit trying to get healed. And some of the times that were the most impactful to build her faith, when she was just in the Word, you know, when she just was reading Scripture. And, and I'm not talking about set a time that you forget to get up and read, and you fall asleep, and you feel guilty later. I'm not talking about that kind of Bible reading. Amen. anybody, anybody ever done that? I'm gonna set, and the next thing you know, you're like, and it's time to go to work. You know, uh, don't 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 put yourself in a position to fail. If you're not good at getting up in the morning and opening the Bible to read, then pick another time. You know what I mean? There's nothing unique about the morning time. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Just find some time. Sound good? You good with that? Yeah. <laughs> you got, you, I didn't mean to. I, didn't, I thought you were looking past me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so today is kind of a joint exercise that I want to walk through. I don't think I'm going to do a whole lot of teaching in the moment because I want to just kind of let the Holy Spirit be the teacher today. You know, if you've said yes to Jesus, He's inside of you. He's the teacher. We don't need it. You guys. You, you guys realize you don't need a man or a woman to teach you. You have the Spirit of God, and He is the teacher. What we get to do is remind each other. I mean, we, you know, we do teach, we do flow in our gifts, but y- you get what I'm saying. You don't need church, you don't need another person, you need to pay attention to the Spirit of God. But we get to gather together to focus on who he is and what he's saying and remember and encourage each other and lift each other up and love on each other and sing happy birthday to each other and you know, all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, I just want to think about this idea of Spiritual mindfulness, just the idea of to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you need some peace? I see some heads. I need it. Especially when you're looking at the world and you're trying to figure out, you know, maybe, maybe you're doing pretty good and there's nothing really super chaotic or out of the ordinary for you right now, but you're trying to figure out, how do I pray? What do I do about these people, you know? Just last night, an old friend of mine turned up missing and nobody knew what was going on. There were talks of, you know, suicidal thoughts and and he was gone from his family and they couldn't find him and Facebook was just littered with prayers and where is this guy? And he turned up this morning, safely, thankfully. But, you know, people are going through it. People are going through it and it's hard. And you watch people that are suffering and you don't know what to do and you feel helpless a lot of times. But if you are walking in peace, if you are at a place where your heart and mind is at peace, not because you're being a good Christian, yay you, but because you have taken the time to just settle in who you are in Christ, and you trust Him, and you're not thrown around by the world, or by your... Yes, your behaviors matter, you know, but you're at that place of peace where you can have some margin in your life to be a blessing to the people around you. Man, I'm convinced if if Christians would just make the commitment to be kind and loving and be a blessing to people rather than judgmental toward people and trying to figure out who's right and wrong. And if we would just unite in Christ, man, we would be an unstoppable force on this planet for good. And it's it's so much easier than we think. But how do we get there? We ourselves personally take the responsibility to just be at peace, to just have our minds and our hearts at peace with him. So... I want to just kind of, before we read through some Romans, Philippians 4.4, 4, we have this promise, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Just be thankful, you know? Practice thankfulness daily. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You feel like you keep making the same decision over and over, you attract the same person over and over, you keep finding yourself in the same financial mess over and over and over and over and over and over. over. If you get that place at peace in the inner man, you'll be led by Him, and there's kind of a you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with some things over the years where you're just kind of programmed to run the destructive pattern, but when you start to get into the Word and you recognize, no, I, I really, I see that this is what I want my desire to be, and, the, and there's kind of a tug. There's kind of a wrestling. There's a bringing those thoughts captive. There's a, a repentance, which is turning away from your old way of thinking to get God's mind on it, you know. Repentance is not when you apologize to God enough To get him to release some forgiveness for you, forgiveness, repentance is when you say, "I'm done with this. I want to live your way, God," knowing that you're already forgiven in Him, and but you get His mind on it. So, uh, and then of course we know Romans 12 too that uh, we are transformed as we renew our mind. So, and we talk about these concepts all the time, and it's not that, and you know, I'm not necessarily talking about the law of attraction type of transformation where you just sit and you meditate, and you have a picture of something that you want in your life, and you just think that you're attracting it to yourself, you know what I mean? I mean, that there is an element of this world being designed to respond to mankind, but more so what I want to do is sit and yield my heart to him to have my desires shaped by him. You know, that like, like I noticed that when I'm talking to him lately, that's kind of what's coming out of my mind and mouth is, this, you know, I want, I, want, I want to want what you want me to want. I want to desire what you want me to desire. I, I, want to, I want to think like you would want me to think, you know? So you put that word in there, yes, there is that level of, you know, intelligence of just uh, that level of consciousness where you're putting the word in there at that level, but even at a deeper level. And, and here's the thing. That's how he works. He, he gets inside and he knows. He shapes a yielded heart. You don't don't have to try to figure out how to change yourself. You just have to yield to Him. And then His Spirit is like a seed that will grow and shape and mold and transform you. It's just how it works. The seed of the Spirit inside of you is at work within you, and you just have to trust the process. But you can water that seed by being spiritually minded, by being committed to peace, by guarding that inner man, that heart, that inside And yielding to his spirit. And then when you're influenced to go a different way than you normally would, you got to put the sickle in and reap the harvest. Or you got to take that step. You got to move that. that, That's the battle. That's the spiritual warfare. Is that when you are that little bit of grace rises up? Are you do you know what I'm talking about? Like it's like, okay, I've been I've been wanting to go this direction, and then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a desire there and a little bit of hope there. It's like, oh, I really kind of believe that. You know, it's like you start to kind of, well, I really kind of believe that this might be possible. No, nah, no, nah, nah, nah. th- But then you tell yourself the same old stuff and you just back and do the same old thing. You got to be willing to step into that new desire. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And I pray that you find, I pray that you're perceptive enough in those moments to recognize, oh, this is a moment of opportunity here. This is a moment of grace. This is a moment where I could go towards sin but there's much more grace here, and grace is his power working in you, that spiritual life force to step into. I'm going to go this way. You know, that's how it feels like to me. So let's walk through this, and just to kind of get the mindset, uh, and, and um, John, I'm going to have you walk, just kind of follow me along. You good with that? Because normally I run it up here. But All right, so I just want to start in Romans 7. Again, I'm going to try not to do a whole lot of teaching. Here's what I want to do. I want want to walk through these these passages in this chapter, and I kind kind of want you to notice the spiritual realities. So so to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To To be mindful of spirit is life and peace. Amen? And yes, to be carnally minded is death. That's not talking about salvation. That's talking about fruit. So we want to be spiritually minded to trend to tend toward life and peace. So as we read these together, you know, just kind of notice what stands out to you. Notice uh, where where you recognize these opportunities to be spiritually minded in a real and grounded way, you know, I'm not talking flaky and mystical where you got to try to discern messages now, but just the reality that there is a spirit, of, there is a spirit in me, there is a dim- there is a realm outside of the realm that I can observe that is more real than this realm. It is eternal. I am connected to that realm. I am connected to the creator of that realm. He is in me. He is leading me. He is guiding me. He is shaping me, and I want to yield to that presence because I believe that spirit will lead me into life and peace. Just like Jesus said, you know, when he gives us the spirit, he will lead us and guide us in all truth. He will show us things to come. He will remind us what the father said. And and you know, for me I've settled into this idea of recognizing that's a it's at a deeper level, it's at a more kind of a subconscious level that I'm hearing him and thinking about him and following him and and you kind of just have to start to trust. I can I can trust those inner unctions and desires and move in that direction if it lines up with the Word of God. And I don't have to try to figure out, well, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing? I just, no, there's just a peace within me that is my guidance system because the Spirit of the living God is in me, the Creator of the universe is in me, who desires my best and is leading me throughout my life. Amen? All right, so here we go. Romans seven. This, this is what we're going to read for reference. We're going to read uh, Romans seven, one through six, and then the whole chapter of eight. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said um, Romans eight is the crown of the gospel. No, no, no. Romans is the crown of the gospel, and Romans eight is the jewel in the crown. Romans eight is it's it's incredible. And I kind of had some moments this week. I read it a bunch of times this week. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to not teach or preach as much in the middle of this. So just kind of open your heart and pay attention to spiritual realities because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we're deciding to intentionally be spiritually minded. What I want you to do is recognize what it says of the Spirit and specifically what it means to you and about you in relation to spirit. Sound good? So in other words, your identity as it relates to spirit and spiritual realities. Here we go. Romans 7:1. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law. So this is who he's speaking to, those who know the law, that the law is binding uh, on a person only as long as he lives. For a, Now, what he's getting ready to do, I know I said I'm not going to teach much, but I just want to kind of set the, set the stage here. It's a, it's, it's a masterful way to present the kind of union we have with God now. It's not by the letter of the law. It's by relationship. It's not by having to keep morals and standards and sacrifices to stay in right relationship with God, it's recognizing he has joined himself to us as in a marriage. Isaiah 54, that's what he talks about. He says, the Lord your God, your maker is your husband. And, and that's what Paul's doing is he's reframing the idea of the kind of relationship that we have after the resurrection of Christ with God is a union-like marriage rather than keeping laws and ordinances to... Be pleasing to Him. That doesn't mean we throw away the law. doesn't mean we shouldn't still live well. It just means the kind of relationship that we're in with God is not based on your behaviors and you keeping commandments. It's based on the fact that you're married to Him. That's what it's based on. And He presents the idea this way so that we'll get it. Oh, man, the the relationship has changed. The kind of relationship that I'm in. So for a married person, Woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of the marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. Mixture, don't be playing back with the law, trying to think it has anything to do with your righteousness. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. Say, I died to the law. Through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit to God. That's what he's after. He's after fruit. Amen. And and it comes out of the relationship of marriage to him. Uh, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, We're at work in our members to bear fruit for death, uh, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Now, go ahead to Romans 8. The rest of Romans 7 is incredible. I'm thinking about just doing the whole book of Romans relatively soon. But I just want to read through this. And again, as we read through this, remember to be spiritually minded as life and peace. Watch for spiritual realities. And there may be one or two that really stands out and means something to you. Are you with me? All right. So, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In Christ's body, He condemned sin. Uh, Verse 4, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, stay on 4 for just a second. That's not talking, it's not a qualification based on behavior. In other words, uh, you're righteous apart from the law if you walk according to the Spirit. He's about to address this. What he means is, uh, are you born again or are you not born again? He's not saying you're saved if you walk according to the Spirit, code for, live well. Code for, keep the law, keep the commandments. Does that make sense? All right, so he explains further. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Minds, it starts in the mind. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. See, we're talking about your inner man, your thought life, the desires of your heart, how you think, which does affect your behavior. You know, behavior is a fruit of your thoughts, which is a fruit of your beliefs. And your beliefs are deep down inside of you, hopefully shaped by the Word of God and that Spirit inside of you. So, um, yeah, go back. Where, where were we on? Yeah, there we go. Uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot... Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, 19 or verse 9 here, you are the however. Say however, however, which relates to you. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. How do you walk in the spirit? How are you living according to the spirit? He defines it. So you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You want to know how to get in the Spirit? Anybody ever come out of a background where it's like you feel like you had to do something to kind of get in the Spirit? Raise your, raise your hand if you kind of came out of that. Bad. Yeah, it's like, I feel like I got to do, you know, I'm trying to get in the Spirit. I'm trying to connect in the Spirit. Well, if you, want to know how, you want to know how to get in the Spirit? The Spirit gets in you, and He doesn't leave you and i'm trying to disarm mysticism disarm performance centered christianity assure you of your identity in him your security in him and then inspire you to cultivate your christian life out of that union rather than thinking i've got to do these things to get toward him to become more like him through effort and striving impossible that is a stench in God's nose to think that way. Your deeds are filthy rags to Him, but fruit out of this relationship is a beautiful thing to Him. Even the smallest act of kindness, He celebrates. So you're not in the, you're not in the flesh if the Spirit of God dwells in Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Yeah. If He doesn't, we'll give you an opportunity later in, in the message here and for people watching online and listening. So anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That is a matter of salvation. You are either born again or you are not. When you say yes to Jesus, when you believe on him, his Spirit dwells inside of you. You don't then have to pray and get more of his Spirit or another facet of his Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit is not when you get the Spirit or get more of the Spirit. It's when you allow the Spirit that's in you that got in there when you got born again to come upon you and empower you and strengthen you to move and operate in those gifts. Um, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, that's a pretty easy one. Sometimes that body feels dead, doesn't it? The Spirit is life because of righteousness. Again, as we Go back, sorry. As we go through, recognize those things. These are the, these are the anchor points to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be, how do we get spiritually minded? Well, we pay attention to what the Word says about the Spirit. This is one of those anchor points that you can hold on to. You know, one of them was the Spirit of God dwells in you. So as you're making your decisions, as you're living your life, be mindful of the idea the Spirit of God lives in you. You know, like before you pray, acknowledge that. Before you make a life decision, acknowledge that. The Spirit is in me. I'm not separated. I'm not, God's not out there. I'm not confused in my inner man. God knows. I'm going to acknowledge the Spirit is in me. You know, th- there's a few anchor points you want to hitch to, so to speak, throughout Romans 8 that are spiritual realities to be mindful of Because spiritual mindfulness is life and peace. You want life and peace? Shape your mind and heart. Put these things in there. Remind yourself of spiritual realities, one of which is this, that the Spirit is life because of righteousness. God's not leading you to death. Now, you know, I always feel like I have to qualify this as as a follower of Jesus. He might lead you into a place to witness for him or to, or to spread the gospel where you may experience persecution and suffering as it relates to the gospel for Jesus' sake. You might experience that. I'm not trying to say life's going to be, a, you know, all duckies and rainbows because of this. You're going to face difficulty, especially if you follow him into a place that's war-torn or there's lots of persecution, you know. That might happen to you. But in general... He's leading you into life and peace. The the aim and the direction of the Spirit in you, because of righteousness, because your union with Him, is into life and peace. All right. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's another one. Hang on to that one for just a second. When I pray for people, especially if it's a physical issue, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm affirming this, especially if they're a believer. I'm co-laboring with the Spirit of God inside that person because the Spirit of God is giving life to our mortal bodies. In this moment, right now, just like whatever you ate for breakfast is breaking that down and it's sending that vitamins and everything to your organs and your breathing and your... Your your system is taking in oxygen, and that oxygen is getting distributed to your organs and it's enriching your blood. The Spirit of God is also giving you life. There are spiritual nutrients. The Spirit of God is active and alive, affecting you. He's also giving you peace and joy and patience and gentleness and goodness and all of that stuff. It's like you wanna you need some patience in your life? Eat a spiritual banana. The Word of God. Shape your mind and your heart. And then you just got to trust that the, the, the Word's going to do what it's going to do. Uh, you know, I always think about that. The, Jamie Foxx played Ray Charles, and he was there's that one line, it's going to do what it's going to do, baby. You know, the Word is going to do what it's going to do. You just have to give it the opportunity by holding it in your heart and mind. Um, did I finish that one? Yeah. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Again, this is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of fruit. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And He came that you would experience life. Uh, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption... As sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hold on to that one for a minute. That, that one to me is another really important one. I think about this often. Um, you know, I, this is what I want people to know, this is what I want you to know. And, 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 and if you can learn how to let God do this for you, you can conquer anything. In other words, when you're facing life, whatever it might be, if you can let God do this for you, in other words, affirm to you that you're His child, that you're a joint heir with Christ, man, then truly He who's in you is greater than He who is in the world. Are you with me? Let God do this for you. Let Him bear witness with your spirit that you are His child. He's claiming you. You're mine. I got you. Are you with me? Yeah. Man, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful in the moment. When you have the opportunity to sin or the opportunity to succeed, either one, let him affirm to you first, no, you're, you're my child. You belong to me. And that's not a threat. That's an affirmation. Man, I'm feeling that one. All right, 17. And if children, then heirs. So you're not just a child. You're an heir. But you're not just an heir. You're an heir of God. And you're a co-heir or fellow heir with Christ. So there's, it's, there's three important spiritual points in this. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God. And not just an heir where you just get the car You're a joint heir with Jesus. You get everything that he got. What? Now, that's offensive to some people. Are you kidding me? I'm a co-heir? Now, you're not God. You're not going to become a God. But God has chosen to share with you everything that he's given to his son. I mean, just dream about that a little bit. You know, let the Spirit kind of teach you about that. And it it does say, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Stay on 17. That's not not a qualification that you have to suffer. And in context, when you look at suffering, he's talking about uh, staying in the faith. He's talking about not drawing back when persecution comes because the early church, they were facing severe persecution, death, horrific death. And so this is who he's speaking to, people that have come to the knowledge of Christ, and then this persecution comes in, and a lot of people were leaving the faith back then. He's saying, look, no, hang in there. Suffer with him, you know. Stick it out. All right, verse 18. For for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits for the eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God... For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The freedom of the glory of the children of God. That sounds like there should be a flag waving or, you know, the freedom of... I'm not trying to tie that to any kind of nationalism. I just mean there's freedom in the kingdom. You know, our true citizenship is in the kingdom. We are first and foremost kingdom citizens. Amen? And I, and I just see that, you know, I, I, we should be impacting the world out of our freedom in Christ as children of God. 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of the childbirth until now. You know, when I see that passage, when I see 22, I, I like, I'm in space and I'm looking at the planet and the planet's going... I wish you Christians would get your acts together because if y'all were unite, we could make this, I would be much better. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah, I just see this picture of the earth being affected by unity, not just, you know, kindness. And, you know, because, I mean, you, it's the church that had started the schools in this country. It's the church that um, started the hospitals, all that kind of stuff. You know, the first text was the Bible, um, just, just to use that as an illustration, I, I, you know, when, when we are following Him, we make a positive impact. So not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 23 here is, is really indicative of the idea that you have the Spirit in you. You are righteous in spirit, that eternal aspect of you. But the rest of the body still needs to be affected. But one day you'll get a brand new body. One day there will be redemption for this body, and you'll have that eternal body like Christ does now. 24, uh, for in the hope, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In other words, just be patient, hang on. Likewise, the spirit, so another key here, spirit. So I'm I'm paying attention, all right? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to be spiritually minded. We're talking about the spirit here. What's the spirit doing? He helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what we'd pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In 26 there, um, I, I interpret it as the gift of praying in tongues, praying with your Spirit, as Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 14. Some people don't interpret that the way. Some people don't utilize that gift. I'm not going to have an altar call and force you to try to do that. We we do like to help you. If you want to step out into that gift, we will help you walk through that. But the Spirit is helping you. How many times do you pray and then you feel like, I just don't know what to say? I don't know what to do, but you have, I want to do something. How do I pray? I don't even even know what to do. To me, that's a huge uh, utility for that gift of praying with your Spirit. And then after you pray with your spirit, then all of this other stuff goes into action here. So let's keep going. Uh, And he who searches hearts, so as I'm praying in the spirit, I feel like that's what's happening. He's searching my heart. He's shaping me. He's teaching me. He's leading me. He's guiding me. I'm yielding to his spirit. You know, there's something, the life and death are in the power of the tongue. There's something in in the dominion of mankind on this planet that when we put voice to whatever is rising up out of our heart, it affects things. I think that's what the gift of praying in tongues or praying with your spirit is. Because we have mankind over this, or uh, dominion over this planet, there's something in the voice, there's something in the sound, there's something in believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth. But when your mind doesn't know what to say, it's still something that can be effectuated by the Spirit of God within you, you know? So I'm not trying to pray to get God to do something. I'm trying to co-labor with him inwardly and just speak out that which he would lead me to pray. It's as if he's praying for you, through you. When you don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God will pray for you, through you, when you're using that gift. Uh, And if you don't use that gift, it doesn't mean that you don't have the Spirit. You're just not exercising in that gift is is all it means. It doesn't make you anything less You have the same thing everybody else has. Uh, Next verse. Uh, Sorry, did I finish reading that one? Thanks, John, for keeping up with me. I'm putting him to work today. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God's praying for you. That Spirit prays for you according to God's will. I think I want God praying for me. Verse 28. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now, verse 28 is probably um, one of the most quoted out-of-context passages. People love to lift this passage right up out of context and apply it to people who die from cancer or wars or job loss, something atrocious happens in your life and some well-meaning Christian comes along and says, well, you know, God's working all things out for your good. It's like, what? You, you, in no way can you apply that to those kinds of atrocities. Now, if in the midst of it you are yielding to Him, you are following Him, you are walking in love toward Him, or in other words, you are letting Him love you because we love Him because He first loved us, as you're following Him and as you're yielding to that will of Him working through you, it He will even though there might have difficult something happen, He's going to lead you through it in such a way He's going to work it out. He's not causing it, He's not allowing it because He has to allow everything that mankind chooses, but He will lead you and guide. Please don't let anybody randomly misquote this passage out of context when you're in the middle of a difficult situation and present it as if God's controlling everything that happens. Don't, don't just look at it and think, well, I don't understand this, but I know He's working it out. He's ways above our ways. God works in mysterious ways. How old are you? You ever read the Bible? <laughs> See that little sarcasm comes of there. <laughs> Let's keep going. <clears throat> For those whom he foreknew, which he's, again, this is, he's, he's actually talking about the Israelites. This is one of those for the Jew first and then, and then Gentile. Later on, he defines those whom he foreknew as the Israelites. This is a covenantal thing. It's kind of more complex to go into it. But, but again, if you keep reading the rest of Romans, I think later on, maybe 12, he addresses, he defines who it was he foreknew. So he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And just so you know, it's whosoever shall believe. Uh, So what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Most of us know that one. He who did not spare his own son. And again, think about this. When you're praying and you're seeking God for help in your life, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To know this passage right here, you may not be able to quote it exactly. That's fine. But at least conceptually, this shapes your view of God this is to, be, to hold this in your mind when you're praying and you're dealing with life. To know this, to know this aspect of God will cause you to stand in faith toward Him, which then it helps you experience that life and peace. To be spiritually minded. This is how you are spiritually minded. You, you are aware of something like this. He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously... Give us all things. Amen? And it's difficult to believe this when you've experienced loss. We've all experienced tragic loss, and, it's, and it hurts. But it doesn't change who He is. The world is broken, and we are just trying to uh, continue to believe and even change things along the way. Verse 33, So, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Say, I am God's elect. <laughs> it is God who justifies. Who is, it, uh, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Hold it there. That's another one. Think about that. Christ is praying for you. Right now, Jesus is praying for you. He's not trying to ward an angry God off. Oh no, God, don't do that to them. He's in union with Jesus. Has the heart of the Father. They are praying their will for you in this moment, and it's according to all of those other things that we just read. He's giving life to you because you are righteous in Him. In other words, you're in right standing. He's giving life to you. He's giving life to your physical body. He is, as you love Him and as you respond to His love, He is working all things for your good. He dwells in you. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. There's no condemnation for you because you're in Christ. Amen? Christ Jesus, the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, indeed is interceding for us. I, I, I think about this. When I get to heaven... The first thing I want to see, well, I want to see my mom and my dad and some family. That'd be cool. But I want to see that blood on that heavenly mercy seat. You know, when Jesus rose up out of the grave, says he took his own blood and he offered it to cleanse that heavenly holy of holies so that there'd no, be no accusation against you even before the throne of God. I, I, that's what I want to go see. From that place, aware of the blood of Christ that eternally keeps you righteous. They're praying from that heart, God's will for you, that you would experience the fruit that Jesus died for you to have because they're for you, because you're His child. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake... We are being killed at the, all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to the slaughter, to be slaughtered. No. Say no. You're not sheep just led to the slaughter. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor demons, I put demons, but that's what it's talking about. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Anything else in all creation. I think that covers it all, including your sin. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To bring you to this realization. Nothing. God's not looking for a reason to separate himself from you. He's just not. He's not using that law to scrutinize you to determine whether or not you're qualified. You are already a co-heir with Jesus. Now, renew your mind to believe that. Renew your mind to the degree that you just sit and you think about that one idea. Anybody ever walked through uh, the probate of a will where, where you either received something, I saw some eye rolls. I don't mean the bad part. You know, I mean, like the inheritance, you're a beneficiary of some kind of inheritance. It's like, you know, depending on the degree of it, you kind of have to, it's like, oh, I didn't work for this. It's kind of weird. But then you realize this is a blessing. This person took the time while they were alive thinking of me to outline everything to smoothly transition to be a blessing. Everything they have, they've left to be a blessing. That's God. God took the time to sit and think about you, to orchestrate an inheritance in Christ left in His death, burial, and and resurrection. For you to experience life in that more abundantly, for you to be that salt and light in this earth. I hope that this kind of of thinking shapes you as you're asking questions about life, as you're asking questions about God's will, as you're looking at the world and you're wondering what's going on, you know, you're looking at your future, you're looking at your children, all of the things that we're dealing with in our... I, I hope that this type of thinking will affect you so that you first and foremost anchor your heart into these realities and then move into whatever it is that you need to deal with. You know, off, too often we've got this problem and we see God on the other side of it and we're trying to go through it to get to Him or we're trying to convince Him to come into it. And I just have this picture where God is with you. He's right there with you, looking at it with you, giving you insight, giving you solutions, giving you courage and grace to walk through it, affirming to you, hey, no, we're, we're okay. You and me are good. You're my child. Remember, that spirit that's in you is affirming to you that you're his child constantly, constantly affirming to you that you're his child. No, we're going to walk through this together. Jesus, who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became like us in all ways, was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. He's been through it. He knows how to walk you through it. He's not going to leave you in the middle of it, and He's not going to craft it to test you, to make you, uh, you know, afraid or, or to mess with you. He's right there with you. I pray that your mind is shaped by these spiritual realities as you face life, because life is happening. Some of you, life is punching you right in the face right now because I know what some of y'all are going through. And it's unjust and it's not fair and it hurts and you feel broken. But you know what? It's the state of the world. And I don't say, well, you know, just accept it, but have these this in your mind. Because truly, greater is he who is in you than he who is in you. Truly, you are more than a conqueror in him. And truly, nothing can separate you amen? amen let's just take just a minute just bow your head and, and maybe even just in some silence here just think about something that stood out to you one, just one of these spiritual realities that means something to you today and just kind of mix it with faith in your heart and just just be thankful to him father i thank you i thank you that you live in me I thank you that you're constantly reminding me that I'm your child. I thank you that you're giving me life You're giving life to my physical body. Jesus, I thank you that you're praying for me. That means so much to me that you're praying for me. You're aware of what I'm going through. Thank you that nothing can separate me from you. Nothing. Just say that. Nothing can separate me from God. And I just hope that that is powerful in you, you know? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded, you want life and peace? Hold spiritual realities in your mind and your heart and trust the Spirit is working, He's alive, He's active. He's moving, not in a weird mystical way, but in a real way. He's growing, He's affecting you, He's shaping you. Just co-labor with Him and let let Him work, yield to Him daily. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up and just put our attention on him. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for the CMA that's going out today for their ride and other people that have outreach opportunities going on. I thank you that they are led and taught by you today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be generous. Thank you so much that we are free from the law. We don't have to give to make you happy. We don't have to give to try to get you to move in our lives. It's an act of faith. It's an act of thankfulness because you have provided seed to us. So, Father, I speak life and blessing over every person's finances in this place. Father, I thank you that, uh, that you're leading us in such a way to make decisions with our finances and you're, you're bringing wealth to our lives beyond our capacity to work. However you work that out, you said you desire to bless your family so we would be a blessing on this planet. So we just open our hearts to be blessed by you, and we commit to be a blessing. We thank you, and we thank you for that opportunity. Father, thank you that you're with us as we go about our week. We give you permission to remind us of these spiritual realities, to hold on to them, to be shaped by you, to display your fruit to bring glory and honor to your name. Amen.